0: Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I am so grateful that you're here on this journey with us. I am an unschooling mom to two kids. We have been at this for about nine years and counting and learning every single step of the way. So if you are someone who is looking for a little bit of inspiration, conversation, community, and support, you've come to the right place. This is what this podcast is all about. It's for you, mom, and you, dad, that are maybe feeling not as confident when you first started, that's looking for a little bit of guidance or ideas on bringing joy into learning, making learning your own, supporting your unique values and guiding purpose and abilities, capabilities, and strengths of your of each of your kids and learners in your family, if you are looking to hear other ideas and experiences and stories from families that have tried new things, that have created their own unique learning journeys, that have been answering and solving those questions and fears or doubts that they've had, you've come to the right place. This is definitely what we share here. And uh, we support all of that. Homeschooling, unschooling, alternative education, really the ways that families are finding and creating their own unique learning journeys. And what I've found over these years and with the countless uh, thousands of families that I've come into contact with, everyone does it uniquely different. There's always a, a bit that they've recreated for themselves Maybe there's some overlap in certain things, some certain, certain core values or understanding on learning, but really we come to a point where we create our own. And I think that's the beauty of this life learning journey is that instead of having to fit into that box, we really can create things for ourselves uniquely for each of our family members and learners. So... I want to give a shout out to one of the patrons in our Patreon community. Another way that we offer support and community is through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash honey. I'm homeschooling the kids to learn more about the community, what it provides or to join. It helps support the podcast, keep it going, help us to keep creating content and information for all for all of you. And as well, there's different offerings that we have on there, whether that sneak peek to certain recordings of clubhouse rooms or other interviews, early recordings that are released to Patreon community first, downloads and other support, specific Q&A or questions that are answered on there. So I want to give a shout out to Kristen Swindells. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Kristen, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you and we all appreciate you to help this journey continue for Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Another way that you can also be part of the community is joining our club on Clubhouse, Honey, I'm Homeschooling Club. We have weekly gatherings each week, three times a week. We host rooms on all of the things around homeschooling, unschooling, self-directed learning, parenting, education, progressive education, um, deconstructing education, All of those themes that are important in that learning life. So you can join us there Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday mornings, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, and Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That's within Canada time. You'll have to check your time zones. So today, this special episode, I think you'll really enjoy. A question that I get often is, if my kids homeschool or unschool, how will they ever get into college or university? What is out there for them? What kind of opportunities does the world really hold if they don't go on the mainstream track that everyone else goes on that's already laid out the how to's of if you do this 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 and this then your life is going to look like this and you'll be able to get into this college or this program um, easily or possibly the only way you can do that which we want to know, number one, not everything is guaranteed. Uh, just because you follow that well-worn path doesn't necessarily mean that your life is going to look in exact a certain way. We all have different experiences and realities and factors that change things. The other thing as well is because this mainstream track is so well-worn and there's so many that are following this track that when there are others that are doing something differently or uniquely, what happens is they stand out. And sometimes we think that the way to go is a mainstream track, forgetting that sometimes making your own track and following your own way helps you to stand out and be seen and accomplish those things that you want to get ahead and accomplish. So today on this episode, I'm joined by Beth Langston and her husband, Greg Langston. And Beth and Greg are the co-founders and creators of a wonderful organization called College Flight Plan. And College Flight Plan was actually created to empower students to master their self-discovery, allowing them to successfully activate their life's purpose. I think this is truly important. And actually, what they do I agree with the framework so much because it's actually something that when I work with families, when we're coaching one-to-one or even during our masterclass that we really explored is getting clear on building that foundation first, your strong foundation that helps to answer your questions, to set your place and go, help God be your guiding light in your life. Um and so I think this is important whether you're pursuing post-secondary or not. It's important for any human being an adult as well. So Greg and Beth actually provided me with some interesting facts about college. Did you know that only 40% of college students graduate in four years? 60% graduate in six years. And 60% of students actually change majors at least three times. Now, think about the cost of that as well. So if you're in the US, the average cost of an in-state public college is about $27,000 per year. And that gets added for every year that you change or undecided and still not graduating. The average cost of a private college is $55,000 per year. That's in the United States. It will look different in different countries and places, but You know, this is a big decision to consider, especially for many, many families that might not be fully ready for it. So Beth and Greg and I had a wonderful discussion on empowering young people to master their self discovery. Why is that important? And the fundamental questions that they ask young people to help guide them in success. So we talked about core values, strengths and weaknesses, purpose in life, um, goals as well, one year goals, five year goals, uh, how they can support homeschoolers and. In preparing for post-secondary. Uh, what happens if you are not in the United States? What can you also do if you're in other countries looking into post-secondary? And they also talk about a few tips that they have seen put into practice that has been absolutely successful for those that want to stand out, especially for homeschoolers and unschoolers that are looking into that entrance process, things that most don't do, but that are always recognized. So I encourage you to listen to this episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. I enjoyed our conversation. Uh, I felt that it was so applicable for our young people, but also for us as adults as well. And I'd love to hear what you think. You can find out more if you go to collegeflightplan.com, and you can read all about what it looks like and the steps that Greg and Beth support youth on and those looking to really understand and get a clear idea of their vision and purpose. So enjoy this episode. Okay. So welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. I'm really excited about this upcoming episode with Greg and Beth Langston. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Robin. We're so glad to be here. We're looking forward to it. All right. So Beth and Greg Langston are the co-founders and creators of College Flight Plan. Beth graduated from Purdue University in education and is an expert essay editor with a proven track record of helping students navigate the dreaded college applications essay process with tremendous success. Greg Langston graduated from Purdue's Cranert School of Business and is an expert in building high-performance teams across 10 different industries. He's built and led businesses of over $1 billion and has worked in 65 countries their superpower is being able to blend their unique professional perspectives and training with their roles as engaged parents to develop transformational self-discovery courses for high school students. Welcome, Greg and Beth. And I also want to note that Beth also has the title of being Greg's boss as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is so true. That is true.
0: (laughs) So, uh, I read, you know, I, that's your bio, but I would love for you both to give a little bit of a background on who you are. Like you have a great, a great story. And uh, one thing I want to note as well is you're also homeschooled parents. You you homeschooled your children. But first, maybe if you can give a little background on your path or journey to now, uh, what has led you to call it flight plan, but really what your life has, has looked like?
2: Well, um, I will say um, this journey started actually with our own children. Uh, Greg and I met a long time ago at Purdue University and we raised our children overseas. So by the time our son was 13, he had been in 12 different schools in five different countries. And it was a wonderful experience because they got to learn foreign language. They gained great appreciation for other cultures. Like when we were in uh, Singapore, the kids went to the Singapore American School and there were 76 nationalities in K through 12. So it was amazing. We loved that and they had wonderful educational experiences. So as an educator, I was very hands-on. So we did homeschooling a lot of times when we had to transition to a different school year, like in the Southern Hemisphere, the year starts in January, February. So sometimes we had to homeschool in between while we're waiting for that Mm -hmm. school year to start. And in Mexico, our kids were the only English speakers in their school, and so we would They would come home from school and for two to four hours every evening we would have the Spanish-English dictionary in one hand, and their homework in another, and we would plow through what they needed to get done for the school. But the kids picked up language so fast, and uh, we should be teaching kids foreign language at a younger age in our country, in the U.S. for sure. I'm not sure what they do in Canada, but here we wait till too late. Mm -hmm. But um, We also had a school in our home. (laughs) One year, uh, we we hired a teacher from the States. She came down, and we had third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade in our home, and we hired out a Spanish teacher. I taught the math part, and she taught everything else, and we had other expatriate children that would come every day. It was
1: great. And the reason we did that is, and we talked a little bit before we got on the recording, is that the local local school, we were pretty remote. Was not of a standard that we wanted for our kids or the other expatriate kids. And yeah. so that's why we brought the teacher in.
0: And that was so, in Mexico yeah. or which?
1: That was in Mexico, yes. In Mexico, mm-hmm.
0: okay. Okay. So you had your own little micro school essentially? Yes. It, yeah. yeah it was fantastic. wonderful. It was one of the best years of education my kids had. Oh, I'm sure, yeah.
1: You also did that in Singapore and in Australia for yes. short periods of time.
2: Yes. Oh, you did. <laughs> okay, schooled a lot. Oh. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, But we kept thinking, you know, by the time they get to the end of middle school, we needed to get back to the U.S. to start preparing them for that college application process because we were looking for more opportunities for self-discovery and things like that. But it was totally lacking. There was nobody that was helping them discover their strengths, weaknesses, values, purpose, goals in order to prepare them for that college application process when you have to know all those things. Or if college isn't the answer for them, what are they gifted to do? So on the other hand, Greg, as an international executive who was running large corporation, and he had been provided with hours of executive training and coaching to equip him with skills and assessments that improved his performance as a leader and a team player. And he kept saying, "Why did I have to wait 20 years to learn all this stuff? Mm. And why?" Is this not being taught to our kids in high school? So with Greg's executive training and my education background, we started developing tools to try on our own children.
1: Who were our guinea pigs? Yes,
2: they were our guinea pigs. They usually are, yeah. Yes. And we didn't break them. And so that 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 led to to, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That led to workshops, you know, with their our kids' friends and other students in the area. And everyone was having a positive experience. And what we observed was that the students, they were like being transformed. They had so much more clarity in knowing their values and their strengths, weaknesses, purpose, major, and they had confidence in clearly understanding and articulating what makes them unique as they progress through the application process in their interviews and their essays. And they also felt like they had more control over their futures because they had actionable
0: plans and goals. Right. Okay. So I just, so one question does pop up for me yes. um, when you talk about those, you know, those values and understanding the goals and understanding your strengths and weaknesses, I would think, and now I'm just making assumptions here. I mm-hmm. would think that your kids, after so many experiences in different cultures, languages, um, Learning environments and just being really, really exposed to the world, they would have a lot of that. Um, and it, maybe it sounds a little bit hard to say this, but I'm thinking they would have more of that than maybe some who don't have not. Really been exposed to any varying experiences? Who've kind of had the same thing as everyone else for their life? Um, did you notice a little bit of a difference in that, and and or why did you feel that was still important for your kids to to practice and to have?
1: Well, I think very definitely they were um, blessed with tremendous cultural ex- you know ex- experiences and being able to travel to the different countries, much like your children have. And they've learned to uh, be different than the rest of the population. They've learned to how to navigate uh, with the different languages, and you know, just going from one place to another is different than Canada and the United States. But still, the the references with regards to finding out what their purpose is, what their own individual values are, what their unique strengths and their problem-solving skills, that was still lacking. And so that's what we felt we needed to invest in them. And that's where we took the tools that I was being taught and made them uh, team friendly, if you will, so that they could understand and could implement them themselves when they're in high school instead of having to wait till they're 35 and 40. So clearly they had a cultural advantage. I think they had a self-confidence advantage because Mm -hmm. kids, when they move from one city to another, you know, they have to make friends quickly. Yeah. When you deal with friends that are in Alberta that have been there since you know since the earth cooled and have never moved, um, or in the United States, they they don't have to go through the angst and the challenges of meeting new friends. They've always been that way. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, it makes complete sense.
2: Absolutely, Robin. One thing I did find though is when we moved from Mexico to Memphis, Tennessee, and um, and that's the South. And when we got there, the kids were like. We put them in a little Christian school, and they they were like, "Don't tell anybody we speak Spanish." <laughs> really? They, yes, they because it was so. I mean, people, many people didn't even know where Mexico was, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> so. And they didn't um, want to be
1: different. Yeah, they yeah. just
2: didn't want to be different. It was very interesting, and then they grew to be proud of the fact that you know they they, were they different. did speak another language and. Yeah. They could excel in that, but it was very interesting to watch that. And when we lived in Australia, they also, they didn't want to sound different than the Aussie kids, so they could flip into this Aussie accent speaking English, but in this Aussie accent. It was very interesting. And then they turned to me and speak to me in their American accent. <laughs> yeah, it was like a foreign language to them. Yeah, different.
0: yeah. My, my brother and sister-in-law and niece and nephew live in Australia. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with the Australian accent <laughs> yeah. or dialect. Even some yeah. words are very different than ours as well. Right. Um, so so that's really interesting. Very, very interesting. So, so just in, uh, how many languages do your kids speak? Um, just Spanish and English, really. Yeah. Spanish, okay. Because Singapore, they speak English. Right. You know. yeah.
2: Our son was born in Brazil, but he, we moved when he was very young, so he didn't speak Portuguese. But Greg speaks all the languages. He, he's, okay. he's our man.
0: Okay. And I keep
1: telling people, because I, I learned to speak Spanish before I learned to speak, speak English, and when people say, and I'm traveling, they say, how did you learn how to speak Spanish so well? I said, well, I I've been taking Rosetta Stone for about two weeks and it really, <laughs> it works really well. And they look at me like, what?
0: what? Yeah. <laughs> the Rosetta Stone poster boy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, so how many languages do you speak, Greg?
1: Uh, fluently Spanish, English, Portuguese, um, working knowledge of French and Italian.
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you are the Rosetta Stone. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so, so if we're, exploring, you know, this, for me, this is also very timely because, well, for a few things, um, one, my kids are getting older, um, and looking at their future going forward as well, uh, we have, we are moving into our ninth year of home education and we, we take it year by year and so far every year our, our kids have wanted to continue that, um, you know, my son has already exploring what he wants to do further. And actually right now he doesn't live at home. He's actually out, uh, working in a work experience. Um, and he, for, for a couple months. And so he'll be back in the fall. Um, so it's really interesting. So this, you know, the, the concept of your, your, um, values and your purpose, your strengths, and what you want to pursue and build on is really important for our family as well. Um, and but Robin, it's,
2: how great that he's experiencing that now, finding yes. out, you know, he, that's a great way to learn maybe some of his strengths and some of his weaknesses and, absolutely, and getting an idea of really what he wants to do in life.
0: That's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good for you for starting early. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been a learning process for me as well as a parent, for both my husband sure. and I, so um, and we're still still going through that learning process. Uh, But we also, I mean, as you you guys are well aware, there is a growing number of homeschooling families um, that are looking to homeschool and and many that have kids in high school and that are, you know, asking the questions, how do we best help support them to be a good human in this life? How do we prepare them for life after the high school age um, as best as we can? Uh, And and I also work with families uh, in 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 coaching them and, and mentoring them in through the homeschool process. And one of the, the things I always focus on first is actually understanding and getting clear on your values and purpose. Um, cause I Good always great, I find it's your, your guiding light is what I call it, right? When you have those questions or uncertainties or doubts, or don't, you have choices in front of you, you don't know where to go. Um, my recommendation is always to go back to that purpose and and guiding values, because that's your centering point. And from there, you'll know, do these decisions I have to make, do they fit with our guiding purpose and values for our family? And, uh, you know, it's a, you have a better idea of, of where you want to go and the choices that you want to make. And then you feel more centered and sure as well uh, moving right. forward.
1: I so, could not ag- I could not agree with you more. In okay. fact, if I can paint a, vi- a visual for your audience, the Please way we because
0: I was going to ask you to talk about it more because that is your thing. So the,
1: the, That is my thing and it starts with values. And if your audience could visualize, A huge tree, a cutaway of a tree with a root system that goes down very deep into the ground. And I think the longest roots uh, in the world go down 400 feet. And so just use that as a thought about an anchor to your point about making decisions that your values are very important to hold the tree up. And so you have the root system is what I visualize as one's values or core beliefs. Those hold up the trunk of the tree, which is your life's purpose which then holds up your goals and objectives, which are the branches of the tree. Does that does that make sense?
0: Oh, that's and so, awesome.
1: And so if you have a very strong root system and you envision that a storm comes along and the root system is not strong, then the tree is going to fall over with the storm that invariable will come in life. And so if you have a strong root system, you're going to make decisions just like you mentioned, that will allow you to weather that storm. And so what we teach young people is to determine what are their seven primary values, then determine what are their core values that they will not waver on. And they have three core values. And then what they do is we put them through a gating process that says, why is this value important to you? Who or what in your life is contributing to this or negatively impacting this? And what actions are you gonna take to resolve this if these are your core values? And also, we put them through a decision process that allows them, when they're not with their parents, much like your son is no longer with you for this multi-month break, that when they're faced with a situation that could potentially violate their values, that they look and reflect and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And this does follow my values, and I will do that. And so, we feel that that's very important, and that's how we built – initially, we built the program.
0: Mm, i love it i agree 100 percent. i cannot agree more so why beth you had mentioned this early on as well why do you think we don't teach this or transfer this knowledge or information to our young people because you know, we don't i, I, I agree we, we, especially in schools and in the institution we really don't
2: we don't and i'm i'm always been
0: a little shocked, but it's nothing new,
2: where where we live anyway, because all the parents, at the end of our process, the student presents to their parents their 14 pages of, of summary of what they discovered about themselves, and all the parents say, I want to go through this too. I wish I had this when I was a kid, but for some reason, we teach a lot of other unnecessary Things in our schools, and hopefully homeschoolers will transition to incorporating teaching the values in their in their work that they do, and you know, giving assessments to help kids know who they are, where they're going, help them set their goals for the future. And and, you know, I I don't understand at all why it's not in the school system and why there aren't many other um, corporations or groups that teach this.
1: The other thing, too, is that in the United States, the average amount of counselors Mm -hmm. per student, there are 424 students per counselor, high school, high school counselor. And it's very difficult for a counselor to be able to do deep dive investment in an individual. The same is even though the parents think that's going to be done. And that's an advantage that a homeschooling mom or dad has versus versus the normal schools. And in, in California, where we live, there are 900 students per college admissions officer, counselor. So there's no way that they're going to be able to have that, that uh, dedication.
0: Yeah, that's right. 900. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the same where I, especially because I live in rural Alberta, um, it would be similar. I mean, their population is less, but just even the support is also less as well. So mm-hmm. I, I see yeah. that for sure. So could you, would you be able to um, give me an example of the difference between, because you talked about there's seven primary values and three core values. What's Correct. the difference? What, what is the difference between a primary value and a core value?
1: Um, the the process that a, that a student goes through is a selection process where they, on the on the website, uh, it's this is mobile friendly, it's all done on computer, they can pick there's a list of 60 different values because we want them we want for them to have the opportunity to pick from whatever values they want and we don't want to guide them and say you've got to pick these we want to give them enough of a choice so they start with 60 then picking values can be somewhat overwhelming and so they what we did is we said listen you don't have to pick one just get it down to seven these will be your primary values that are your must-have values.
2: And there's also a description. You can uh, hover over the, each value, and it will describe it thoroughly for the student.
1: Okay. So then once you've picked your seven primary values, then we have them say, okay, so if you were to break them down to the three most important values that you have, what would they be, and put them in order. And so they go through a secondary exercise, and again, the videos that we have that instruct the students are average two and a half minutes long. So it's not a one hour presentation. They're all micro learning videos that integrate both the video and directly tell them where to go on the workbook. So what it is, it's a refinement of their values so that they can very clearly articulate this is my number one value, number two value, number three value. And so when they go through the gating process, it has to pass all three for them to move forward.
0: Okay. Okay. So could it be something like, um, I'm thinking of a difference between being really rich or being, um, um uh, connection, mm-hmm. connected, building connected relationships. Could those be two or are those very two different things? Like I could no. take someone and say, I want to make lots of money or I really want to learn how to build good relationships.
1: And they're not mutually exclusive. They, you can have both. And in my case, it's uh, integrity is number one, love mm. is number two, and excellence. And mm. so I won't make decisions that violate the three of those. Right. And, um, and so we don't tell the student what to pick. We have them pick one of the 60, or they may have their own. They may make up their own value, and we allow them to do that as well. The key is that it becomes their plan.
0: Right. Absolutely. Then they can own it. When it's yours, yeah. you really make it, you, it you, you own it and you live it then. Okay.
1: And that leads to the transformation that Beth was mentioning earlier.
0: Right. Absolutely. Okay. So then I know you also talk about, you go from core values and you know, how you use them. Then you also talk about strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the next part of the step, but, um, should they already know their strengths and weaknesses, or do you help them to discover what their strengths are and then what their weaknesses are, and then to develop from there or to work on um, work on their weaknesses?
2: They might be aware of some of their strengths and weaknesses just as we are as we go through life we are, but um when we we give them a, a three sixty assessment that confirms some of those strengths and weaknesses and also reveals some other Uh, attributes that they may not have noticed?
1: For example, they get to pick eight different trusted advisors. So this is not just an assessment that they do a skills, you know, or an interest assessment, but they get to pick six different people, excuse me, eight different people, including one of them is their accountability partner who will help them through that process. And it has been determined that if you If you write something down, the likelihood of making that happen obviously is greater. If you share with people in your neighborhood and friends, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or three kilos, uh, then the likelihood goes to 65%. And if you have an accountability partner, that grows to 95%. And so that's why we have have a student assigned for them, somebody who has their best interests at heart, to follow them through this process as a It takes about 10 hours, 10 to 12 hours to go through our whole program. And they work with that. They then find out from these people, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How do I add value to others? Each of the trusted advisors provides them, and this is confidential feedback that they get, with three majors or three professions that they should consider doing. And so then the student gets a 200 data point report that says, this is what you're really good at. This is what you don't do well and you should probably stay away from. And that's really valuable for them to know that information.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, I like that. And how do I add value to others? I think that's a great question to ask. Um, It's not just I can do this really well, but also how does that work in my community and broader world and bringing that strength to others as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is the difference between, because another one that you also explore is, you know, what is my purpose in life? Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between understanding what your purpose in life is and understanding your values?
1: Very interesting question. I believe that the way we put this together, your purpose and your values are intertwined, but your values support your purpose. Your purpose is your why, if you have a student who, for example, your son is 14, 15 years old. Yep, yep. And so he is trying to figure out what is it that he is going to do. At this point, or early on in his life, he was, he was basically adopting, knowingly or unknowingly, the values of the family. Mm-hmm. As you've taught him, you've taught him to establish his own personal set of core values. And you'll continue to do that. What he has to determine is what is he doing? And what he's doing is he's going through a work experience now. He is a um, what is he a freshman in college or a freshman at school?
0: Yeah, he would. It's a little bit different here in Canada. So he would be going like grade ten. Age is okay. Would be a grade be, level.
1: Okay, grade ten. And so you know he is trying to determine what is he going to do and the way he succeeds in it. So he is a grade ten student. That's what he does. How he does it is by getting good grades and testing scores and experiences. Why he does what he does, that's the key. What gets him up in the morning so that he is inspired to do that going forward or to change his profession or his interests? And so what we are able to do is we're able to help come alongside the student and ignite what their real passion is. And the way we do that is through a series of stories where we've determined 10 different stories in their life that have impacted them, whether it be a parent, a sporting event, or something that they did that was very inspirational to them. And how did they react? Who said what? How did they contribute to the situation? And what were the impacts that they had on themselves and others? And through that, they develop what is their purpose statement.
0: Okay, interesting. Okay, could you give me an example of maybe a story that you had or that, Beth, that you had that would, that impacted you that helped you to get clear on your purpose? Because I'm thinking a story could be either highly positive or highly negative.
1: And that's very true um, because, you know, some people grow up in families that are have abusive situations or very unfortunate situations, and that can be both a trigger for a family, to uh, a student to say, I'm not going to have that happen in my family and I'm going to be looking at four things that I can ensure that I do so that I don't marry this type of person or I don't accept this type of activity. And or on the flip side, I weathered this storm and I got through it and I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to help people who don't know how to weather this storm. That's how I'm going to dedicate myself going forward. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, that makes absolute. Yes, it does. And the purpose statement
2: is sorry to interrupt the purpose statement is uh where we find that the student figures out how they can make a difference in their world and that's such an important question for kids to answer they want to know where they belong and how they can make a difference and that's what they come to in their purpose statement
1: and this also goes uh right in the face of their social media feed because Mm -hmm. social media is very damaging to the kids and to many parents alike. And one of the things that the kids come out of as a result of going through this process is they have a much greater sense of clarity as to what's important. And one of the things that we have them do is establish aspirational goals for health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships. And part and parcel to that is if this is what your aspirational goals are that they write down, what are some things that you're doing now that you wish to eliminate that are not helping you? And invariably, more than ninety-five percent, they say too much social media and not enough sleep.
0: Really, ninety-five yep. percent say that. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. Okay.
1: And so, what they do is they then determine. They say, "I'm going to reduce my social media by, you know, one hour, five hours, what have you." You have you had one student that you talked to two weeks ago who's saying, "You know, I'm under the sheets and I'm just scrolling up." Yeah, you know, she,
2: she says, "I just keep scrolling and scrolling too late." And of course, that affects your sleep time, too. Mm -hmm. So,
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I know even for myself, as an adult in my 40s, that if I just for my sleep, I have to put my screens away completely at least an hour before I go to bed or else, you know, I, I, you know, it's something whether, you know, work, I have to, I turn it off at a certain time and then just screens themselves. I, you know, it's kind of a shutdown, an evening preparation, a bedtime preparation, but I find a difference in my sleep when I am off screens for a certain amount of time before I get into bed as well. So, yeah, but that's also, social media is doing a great job if you're, still scrolling through like that's that's the purpose right to keep you on to continue to scroll so
1: (laughs) did you see the movie social dilemma yet
0: i did yeah i Mm -hmm. watched it with my kids yeah
1: enough said yeah Yeah. yeah yeah
0: Um, so uh, the next question I wanted to ask you, because we're continuing, I wanted to ask you about those five fundamental questions that you ask young people in this process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one was the core values and how do I use them? What are my strengths and weaknesses? What is my purpose in life? And I know one of the, the fourth one is what are the college majors that best suit me? So when I, and I'm thinking about my own personal experience in in, in life, in the world. And my college major, I, 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 did, I'm an international business major. So I think that did fit very well because one, I wanted to continue to travel, but to be able to work and have a career within it as well. Um, but, you know, what I also found for myself is that, you know, like many of us, I went through many different career iterations. Uh, My careers changed. I didn't, after I graduate, I didn't have one specific career job and stuck with it um, throughout my time. It, It evolved and it changed as well. So when it so I'm, I'm asking that because so many of us do say that many times what we, we take in college, what we, we prepare for, isn't necessarily what we end up doing in life. Um, mm-hmm. So how important is that to really understand college majors that best suit, suit me or suit an individual when the jobs and our future landscape is changing so quickly and shifting? And many times we go through many different career changes as it is as an adult.
1: Okay. Well, um, very, very good questions. Let me unpack, unpack a few statistics that will shock a lot of your audience.
0: Okay, <laughs> in, uh,
1: in, in the United States, 40% of college graduates graduate in four years. A full 60% of them graduate in six years when they're supposed to graduate in four. Right. Yeah. 60% of them change majors at least three times because they're not sure about their self-discovery. And what that does is that, saddles them with tremendous debt because in the United States, a university, a local university, the cheapest you can be is probably $27,000. A private school is $50,000 a year, US dollars. Um, And for those from Canada, (laughs) obviously, you know, that's different. Um, Mm -hmm. And Ivy League school is $80,000. And so what happens is they will be saddled with a tremendous amount of debt. And the, the interesting thing is, to your very question about moving from job to job, they've identified that between the ages of 16 and 29, 87% of the population has no purpose or meaning. Let me say that again. 87% have no purpose or meaning because they haven't gone through the self-discovery that we're supposed to be teaching our kids. And how does that translate into the business world? Right now, over 70% of the people that are working don't like their job, and only 29% of them are actually doing the work that they actually got a degree in, which I think covers a lot of the comments that you mentioned in
0: uh, in the question. 29%. That's right. Yeah, those are uh, really, those are great stats. Um, Thank you for sharing those. I I know I also... I interviewed a while back. Uh, she is the founder of College Backer. It's a program for saving for college. Mm-hmm. And um, she had spoken about, you know, the big thing with debt, right? And especially in the United States, but I think all over, even in Canada as well, student debt from college and how there's even a uh, the percentage that actually uh, even after seven years still don't end up graduating, but then they're still saddled with the debt of going to school for that long, and then never receiving a degree or completing that uh, that education, and then they still have their lifetime to pay off that debt. And I wish I could remember the number right now, but it was—I did not realize it was that big. It was—it was so big. So. It's 1.7
1: trillion is the 1. U.S.
0: debt. 1.7 trillion Co- student college debt.
1: That is correct.
0: Wow. So a huge, okay, a huge, huge part. All right. And, and
1: the thing that really makes it so sad is, I agree with everything you've said, Robin, but in the actual life of that person, they dropped out. They may have $100,000 of debt, depending upon which school they went to. They can't get a job that will earn them enough to pay for their living expenses, plus pay back the debt. So it really compounds as a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it's kind of you've, you have dug a hole and then you're trying to scratch your way back out, but the dirt keeps falling as you're grabbing <laughs> hold kind of thing. Yeah, That's a good visual. we found that the, the high schools here really push for
2: everyone or most everyone in their graduating class to go to college. So so it reflects well on that high school that all our kids went to college, but they don't keep track of. Do they graduate from that university or do they drop out after two years? Does it take them seven years? You know, those statistics aren't in the front of everything we're looking at. And the universities, you know, they're like, come to our school, come to our school. We're not going to give you any money, but we've right. got the best school. And then I'm not, I'm not sure why the universities aren't giving these kids a break right now. Yeah when everything's so tough. It's not like you're getting a better education as they raise their prices. You might be getting a better football stadium,
0: but not an education. Right. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree. And it is, I know even in Canada. So for example, I'm also a public school board trustee. And Hmm. so I know one of our markers because every school and division gets evaluated by the education ministry. And one of the markers is, uh, or like, uh, I I guess you quote unquote test scores uh, for schools and divisions is what's the percentage of kids who enter post-secondary school within a certain amount of years after graduation. So you get scored on that. So, of course, <laughs> so that's what schools do, right? I know here where I live, um, because that's one of your markers, You, the kids are often stress that this is most important for them to do, whether it really is a good avenue for them or not, whether it's even affordable for them or not, whether they, like you said, the the concept of mastering your self-discovery, that, that self-discovery process is so essential. But yet before anything like that, we're pushing them into post-secondary when many just are not ready. Uh, and here, my area, because it's a remote Northern community, Uh, the closest full university is six hours away. So that also means on top of that, that, you know, there is a college that's an hour and a half away, which is wonderful. And we have a local college in our town that offers a few courses, but not a diverse range of courses. But if they want to go to a university... They not only maybe are not sure, they sometimes feel pressured into it. And then they're moving away from home and are on their own. Again, a whole new life preparation that many are not yet ready for in a big city, in a new place. Uh, So there's so many of these factors that, um, you know, it... And and that's exactly Beth, what you said. It's have they gotten in within a certain amount of years, but after that, it's not measured. Did they stay? Uh, How how successful were they in their? Did they thrive in their first year, or did they really struggle? I know there's for universities, there's a large amount that actually drop out after their first year or leave. So many are suggesting the gap year, so you know they're saying find yourself, forget life experience, and then come to school or then come to post secondary um, because kids have had a hard time starting and then continuing or finishing. Yes. And the gap year is so, I think that's a wonderful idea for many of the students that we have
2: and encouraging kids to get internships in the areas where they think they might want to study. Our son is a great example. His whole life, he thought he wanted to go into medicine. And then as he got older, he I want to be a surgeon. Well, during one of the summers of his high school year, he was able to intern with a cardiovascular surgeon and a neurosurgeon. And after his summer, he came to us and he said, that is not at all what I want to do. And so he ended up in the financial area and um, very successful, but I'm so glad he found out early. Can you imagine going all through med school and then deciding, no, this is not
0: what I want to do. Oh, that's <laughs> what I was exactly going to say, how valuable it was for him to be able to experience that and understand that at that yes. time. A huge he saved event. a decade of his life. Yeah. yeah, he did. That's right. Yeah. Or, and then maybe even getting into, and then just being miserable as a doctor or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not connecting with patients. Yeah. There's, there's so much to it. Um, and I so agree with this process. Uh, and you so, know what?
2: Seventy um, percent of the population are not happy in the jobs that they're in currently.
0: Right, right. I'm writing all huge. these stats down yeah. so I have for them. Yeah, <laughs> that is huge. That yeah. is that is. If you think about how many millions of people that is, that's a huge number. And huge. then what we're modeling for the next generation as well, and mm-hmm. those around us. Okay, and one of the things
1: that we found that is valuable by going through the self-discovery process is that in some families, dad is a lawyer, mom's a lawyer, sister's a lawyer. Guess what, John? You're going to be a lawyer.
0: Yeah.
1: When actually Johnny's not well positioned to be a good lawyer. By going through the self-discovery process, he then has, he gains leverage. And as Beth mentioned at the end of the process, part and parcel of the program is that they have to present to their parents and their accountability partner all the results. These are my values. These are my goals. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are my majors. This is why I want to do this. This is what I want to study. It changes the table. It changes the leverage that a student has versus, let's say, a demanding father or mother who says you need to be a lawyer, where the student can say, you know what? I want to go to college. I would suck at being a lawyer, but I'd be the best architect on the planet. And that will make a whole different type of conversation that's very positive for the, for the whole family and for the student himself.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think of an example of someone that I knew um, in one of our, in a, when we lived in another country. And um, that was the same, like you said, instead of lawyers, his whole family were doctors.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: his sister was, his mom was dad. And the expectation for him was that he would be a doctor as well. And he went through med school And he really did not want to do it. So he actually moved away (laughs) to this other country to find some work because, in a large part, to avoid having to become a doctor, really, um, and the expectations of his family. And really, he was trying, he was on his journey of self-discovery, really trying to find his way because he... He did not want to be a doctor. His family expected that of him, but he had a hard time, number one, saying no. But I also understand in that context, he couldn't because he didn't know what he really wanted for himself or his his, his own understanding, self-understanding as well, and was not then able to even articulate it to his family and why it was important that he did not do it um, and that he was not right for that that profession as well. So um, I know many years later, he was still there. (laughs) He hadn't returned back home. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure where he is now, but I I think of him as well when you told that. Mm -hmm. Well, and we usually find that the parents
2: are so pleased and surprised at all the um, information that they're getting from their child. You know, usually you go to a course and they say, how was it? Or you come home from a class and Oh, it was fine, you know. But here, they have to sit down and explain everything that they learned, and it, it's very rewarding for everyone in the room. For us to see the discovery that's gone on and the appreciation that the parents have for what their student has gone through—it's amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay. So then one, the the other part of the five fundamental questions are you you ask about five year and one year goals. Uh Um, Those timeframes, are those because after five years, that's looking at what they would, if they're going to post-secondary university or college, they're going into their career. And then the one year because Maybe if they're going into post-secondary, they're looking at where they're going and what they would be doing? Or there, is there another significance for five-year and one-year goals?
1: Um, before they do the five-year and the one-year goals, they have to set up their lifetime aspirational goals. And you say, I'm asking a 15-, 16-, 17-year-old to do that. And there's no way. They can't. We, they, won't even, they won't even clean up their room. And you're asking them to do their life goals? the answer is, yes, you can. And what we do is we teach them four success elements. They are health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships. And we take them through a a journey where they identify five different goals for each one of their health, their wealth, their wisdom, and their relationships. For the next five years, typically, the wealth, which is what their, their principal job and what they do related to their job is education. And so, educational accomplishments replaces wealth for the first five years. And so what they do in what they present to their parents are, these are my aspirational goals. This is how much money I'll have saved. This is how i how I eat. This is how I'm in shape. This is the relationship that I have with my parents, my, my future spouse. They describe who their future spouse is going to be, their relationship with their faith. All those things are categorized in those four different success elements subsequent to the program and after the learning after the discovery they then say okay for me to make those aspirational goals a reality what do i have to do in the next five years to make those goals a reality for each one of those success elements and then they go through the process of what do i have to do to achieve those five years what do i have to do in the next 12 months and so it's basically a very uh, it's a curated process to have them go through and be able to accomplish that so they have the five and the one-year goals
2: And their goals may change over time too. It's not set in stone, but it gives them an idea of how to set those goals.
0: Mm, That's important. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, your goals do change. And as you get to know yourself more, you might want to shift on that as well.
2: Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So that to me it's like you're you're laying out that pathway in order to get to your destination essentially it's it's seeing your destination and then moving backwards as to how you're going to get there so that makes it very clear and mm-hmm. manageable as well and um, you're you're In your brain, because you're laying out that pathway, then your brain is really creating its own pathway of, okay, this is what I'm going to do next in order to get here. And then after that, then I'm going here. And then after that, I'm going to this next part as well.
1: And that counteracts social media, which is a profile in perfection, where it's a visual construct. It's a mental construct, rather. Uh, perfection you know everything's curated they have the perfect pictures their hair's done great the guy is in wonderful shape they're on a jet or what have you that is perfection but that's not reality and so when i say it's a mental construct it's similar to someday we'll all be able to get back in an airplane and fly and when you're flying and you look out the window and you see the horizon and you're flying towards the horizon, and it seems to be getting closer, but as you get closer to the horizon, the clouds may come by, but the horizon keeps moving away. That's like perfection. You're never going to get there. So we teach our students to say for you to have a healthy sense of accomplishment, you need to look at each of your success elements, health, wealth, wisdom, and relationships, and where are you today versus what you accomplished yesterday and measure yourself versus that, not perfection, which is a much healthier uh, comparison.
0: Yeah, we teach them progress,
1: not perfection.
0: Mm, I love that. Okay, progress, not perfection. Okay, and I I appreciate the comparison to social media. How social media prevent presents perfection, um, and also it really clouds <laughs> that way. On how anyone has, well, number one, it's not real, and number two, even getting to something like that, actually, how much work. For many, depending on the steps they've actually done in order to get to a place of, you know, for example, say they're a social media influencer. Mm-hmm. The behind the scenes, like they're running a business. They've right. started a business from a certain point and have made certain steps. They've, you know, they've they've laid out their pathway in order to get to a certain point as well. It's not, all I look like this every day and I took a picture and I shared, they make it look like that. But there's actually a huge amount of steps and work to get into that as well.
1: And how many people, um, you know, are truly influencers in the in the in the population of the world? You know, not that many. Uh, so, yet there are billions of us that uh, don't have that status, and we're we're trying to chase that that uh, mental construct, which I don't think is healthy.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. So, um, yeah, this is this is wonderful. This is so valuable. I mean, it's valuable not just for young people, but for adults as well, right? <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, so as well, so I do have some specific questions, which I, you know that I wanted to ask you as well about um, for homeschoolers. Because one of the questions that I get often, I know many um, longtime homeschooling parents get this as well, is, you know, if my homeschooler wants to gain access or get into post-secondary, but they have not done a traditional schooling route, um, how would what would you recommend in supporting them to get there? So for me, through this conversation, I would say, you know, your process is highly valuable because then it helps them in that self-discovery, right? So they understand their values, their purpose, what they're working towards and where they're going to go. Um, is there anything else that you would recommend for homeschoolers that are looking to gain access to post-secondary?
2: I would say start early in the process, especially this help discovery process. Start early with internships. Um, help your kids learn how to set goals. We, we subscribe to SMART goals, goals mm-hmm. that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. And um, also a great thing is help your kids develop a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Uh, we have we found that positive affirmations have a huge effect on teens today and a growth mindset does that. You know, let's have that victor mentality, not the victim mentality. And, um, so, and, and also the accountability partner that have kids set their goals and share them with someone that can hold them accountable to challenge them. How, where are you in your goal process? But, um, I think also, don't you know? Don't don't think every that that the kids are gonna. If you're testing, if you're preparing for test prep, get help in those areas. Like if they're required standardized tests, like ACT, SAT, um, get help in those areas. Seek out scholarships too. There are many scholarships that go unrewarded to universities because nobody knows that they're there, so nobody applies to them. And, you know, college, as they get ready for those college years, the admissions officers only get to spend like eight to 12 minutes per applicant when they get ready to apply. So writing a great essay that will catch them in the first paragraph of the essay is important. And they're looking for students who know who they are, where they're going. They want students that can hit the ground running when they arrive at that campus, make a positive contribution to life and the surrounding community, and graduate with honors and reflect well on the university um, as they have successful careers. Or if a student chooses not to go to college, then explore those other aspects that they might want to do, those other apprenticeships, the other professions. There are a lot of them out there, and we need to give, we need to put examples of that or let them have internships in those areas. Before they go to college, well before.
1: Some people can be an excellent welder. Some people can be, in, you know, a construction builder. They can be uh, refrigeration specialists. They can be pipe fitters. And these are all, and particularly in Europe, uh, which we've all been to, you know that the apprentice programs are very strong and people don't necessarily go to college.
0: Yeah, and here in Alberta as well, because a, we're exactly. such industry heavy, we need those trades and apprenticeships and they pay very well as well. They are essential services.
1: You know, if you are running a factory and the pipes burst, you don't go talk to somebody who can do really well with Excel. You go to somebody who knows (laughs) how to fix the pipe. And so that's where you need to come, each student has to do their own self-discovery to find out what do they really wanna do? Because we want them to fly from home into college or their profession and we don't want them to fly back into the basement once they've gone to college or to another profession and said, this isn't what I wanted to do. This is not what I want to do. We don't want them to come home. We want them to go forward and have a, a great life.
0: Mm, absolutely. I, I hope um, anybody that's listening right now, you can rewind that part when Beth began all the way to that end and take notes for sure, because that was so valuable. Um and I and, and also because you you also spoke to those who, you know, college is not for everyone. Post secondary university is not for everyone, and there are so many professions and careers out there that you know that have different paths. But the importance of like you were talking about, start early in self discovery, um, be part of your community, do internships or work experience, or uh, expose your kids to that, or. Um, Show show them that as well. Exploring other aspects, uh, even volunteering, growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Um, you know, prepare if there are certain preparations. Have them, you know, help them to prepare. And and like you said, for those that are looking for post secondary when they're applying the importance of knowing who they are, where they're going, um, and the value that they bring are huge. So I really, you actually answered the questions I was going to ask you after that as well. So that was fantastic.
1: Um, You did a a wonderful review. One thing that, uh, that we neglected to point out that I think is also very valuable is that much like in business, when you are going on an interviewing process, you are asked to present you know, who are you, what makes you special, and so forth. What we teach the student as they go through their self-discovery is their elevator speech, which in essence is a one minute, no longer speech, 150 words, where they present themselves. My name is Greg. I am studying this. My passion is this. These are my values. I'm very interested in your school or in your company because I have a unique ability to solve these types of problems in this fashion and I would love to be able to work with you in X, Y, Z. They can present that at the press of a button because we have them memorize that and they present that to their parents as part of the report out. But what that does is that empowers a student to say, oh my goodness, when they're asked in class, okay, you're new to this class, Greg, stand up and say who you are, give us a little bit, you know, fright comes over, deer in the headlights, the first thing the kid wants to do is jump under the desk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this provides them with the ability to say exactly what I just described, and they can use that when they're interviewing with a college admission advisor or with a potential employer.
0: Mm, okay. That is really valuable, Leo. Okay. Um, so then I do have another question. I know we're getting to our time, and I know you two are busy as well, and I want to be respectful of that. So I would like you to share where we can find you your web, all your contact um but first i do have a a question on that as well and something what beth you had mentioned too so um what and so what if so? There are certain processes and requirements for the United States, for example, when you're entering college and having that elevator speech is important. You meet with a an admissions officer, but not all countries do that. So, for example, here in Canada, most students that are applying to universities or colleges, depending on which ones it is, but a lot of them, especially here in Alberta, the um, admissions officer will never actually see that student. Uh, it's completely. You you know you have a code a number and then there are certain requirements for classes or maybe there is a different a little bit of a different process uh, that they follow. So how are you are you mainly U.S. based or how do you help students that are in a place where the admissions process is very different than it is from the United States and they might not have that elevator speech is absolutely essential for work and all those other situations but when we're also thinking about just when we're looking at just a college university how would you support kids in other countries
2: yes yeah, so we have several international students coming in and the, of course the first thing that 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 gains you gives you permission to play is of course keeping your grades up and it's academic excellence and or accomplishment really and then of course your test if there are standardized test scores which a lot of places have but the main thing if they require an essay that is where the kids can express themselves and it's not like an English class essay it is if you had to sit down in 10 minutes had a meeting with an admissions officer what would you want to tell them about yourself and it's not cheesy or overwritten or anything but the other thing is even though these students may not have an appointment with an admissions officer or ever you know, have a reason to talk to them, they can call the admissions office and ask questions that they might have. You had to think of ways to get in front of these admissions officers and to make them remember you um, or who you are. Oh, yeah, this is the kid who called and asked this because he's gifted in this area he wanted to know more about what we offer
1: there and he did research on the fact that we have a particular lab that is something that he was interning in during the summers and he wanted to know who he could speak to within our lab this is somebody who we probably should have in our university yes they right. need to show a dedicated visited, interest right.
2: yes right. dedicated interest in the university that's extremely important but A lot of kids don't know this. A lot of students don't know that because nobody's ever told them.
0: (laughs) Right. Wow. That is valuable. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry, Greg. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) You know, you just think back. How do we all remember going to school and learning? We learn and we remember what? We got our papers back and they were all circled in red with what we did wrong. Right. And you always focused on trying to not do the things wrong. With the self-discovery, you find out what you do right in terms of what you do positively, what you have an ability to control, and so that changes the dynamic, and you'll find that the student will be much more confident in reaching out to these universities, even if they're just a number, to be the squeaky wheel to say, you need to have me come to your university. We know of a student who was, they were put on the wait list, and the student said, no way, I'm not going to be on the wait list. How am I going to get into your university? And she went to the university and said, You need to bring me into your university. And they said, Well, somebody who has this kind of foot spa should be in our university. She actually
2: drove 12 hours to the university and waited in the admissions office. Of course, this was pre COVID. Wow. Pre COVID. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but that's a sense of confidence that typically kids don't have.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, how could you not take notice then? And say right. yes, we want exactly. you here. You know, she got you? the acceptance letter a week later. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that. I love and and this is um, yeah, this is an episode that I'm gonna share with many other families that I know <laughs> too that you know that have kids in going into those situations as well and or looking towards that. I this is so valuable. Um yeah. And, and also the point of focusing on what you do right, not focusing on what you do wrong mm-hmm. and how that shifts your perspective, your mindset and your framework for life as well. And then your interactions with others, too. Um, I thought that was really key, too. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I could ask you probably 55 more questions, (laughs) but I will keep to our time. So I just, well, first I want to say thank you for reaching out and I appreciate connecting with you. And I think this was a great conversation and um, extremely valuable, especially as obviously I'm a parent who has a, you know, my oldest is entering the world in many different ways. And I, for both of my kids and for myself, um, really I think in our family, mastering self-discovery is a a process that has been important to us, but ever more now um, as they're getting older, but also in the world that we're in as well now. And I think it really does set you up for long-term success and confidence and independence, uh, which is so important and valuable as well. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, thanks Um, for letting us share what we feel is a very
2: important topic. We appreciate that.
0: Thanks, Beth. My pleasure. Uh, so I would like you to take some time right now to um, talk about how we can find out more about College Flight Plan, where we can reach you and connect with you, uh, or where our, our kids can do so. I am going to put all the information in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can go straight to the show notes, and I'll link that directly. Right. But still, so you can hear that if you're listening. Um, Beth and Greg, could you share that right now?
1: Sure. They can find us at collegeflightplan.com, collegeflightplan.com. And for your listeners, we've created the Parents Starter Kit to Teen Self-Discovery, which is a really good document that has five early actions you can take for post-high school success, free assessments that we recommend uh, if they're going to be considering sending their kids to the United States, ACT, SAT, PrEP Resources, some scholarship and cost resources to save money, and how they can get in touch with us. But they can find Beth at Beth at CollegeFlightPlan dot com, or they can find me and Greg at CollegeFlightPlan dot com. And to get the document that I just mentioned, they go to collegeflightplan.com dot com slash guide.
0: Okay, Collegeflightplan.com dot com slash guide. Perfect. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Before we close out, is there any last words that either of you or both of you would like to leave for our listeners?
2: Well, I want to encourage parents who uh,
0: find this college prep uh,
2: process very stressful, that they are not alone. But as you start to work through it and once the first student has gone through it, it becomes more familiar to the whole family and it gets a little easier. And we are here to help ease the stress of all of that and to just share what we have learned. And you're not alone. Start early and just do what you know as a parent, what is best for your child. Try to give them those opportunities.
1: And don't expect the schools to be able to have all the answers because they don't have the time or the inclination or the training to be able to do the self-discovery. They need to find it elsewhere.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, And I recommend everyone to reach out to Beth and Greg, especially if you have any questions or you want to learn more. And I appreciate this hour that you spent with me. Well, we appreciate you, Robin. Thank you so
1: much. It's been awesome, Robin. Thank you. Thank you.